Coming to you live from a radio tower near you, studying the intersections of video games and science. This is Pokey Science. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, I'm Madison, and I am joined today with it's Brittany. Hi, and Dr. Ray, and Dr. Ray. I, I feel like we have it's me, Mario, and Dr. Mario. It's like my my big brother. I'm like it's like Scooby Doo and um Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Doo, and I'm Scrappy. I'm like hi. Scrappy Doo. <laughs> Thought he had a glandular pl- problem. Is that what he the, did? Yeah. Is that what the movie uh, canonically yeah. says? <laughs> No, but we're going to stay on task. So that said, accidentally, because I uploaded the wrong file last week and not the edited file, Anaru made an announcement for me. So I'm going to clarify for everyone. Going forward, this podcast as a organization is going to be known as Pika Science. Pika being the small rabbit-like creature that kind of looks like a mouse, but it's definitely not a mouse. It's a rabbit. <laughs> being it is an actual animal that actually exists and is actually adorable, and you should look them up and hug them and cuddle them. That said... We have expressed permission to still call these particular episodes Pokey Science. So you can still search for Pokey Science anywhere and you're still going to find us. But as the show branches off and creates new content and a variety of content, the organization itself is going to be known as Pika Science. That said, we have an updated logo dropping later this week. It's similar yet new. So we're trying to not shake up too much, but also have a nice switch up. I think you'll like it. Actually, our very own Chelsea has been working on it. Shout out to Chelsea. And also shout out to Henry for Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I don't know if that's appropriate. So I'll just shut up. (laughs) Shout out to Chelsea and Henry for Chelsea. Perfect. Yes. So that said, you know, we're still going to have different variety of episodes. I'm going to go back and I'll be relabeling everything. So obviously all Lucas Lecture episodes are still called Lucas Lectures. All old episodes of, you know, this format are still Pokey Science. And, you know, we now have Lyle's Lessons, Who's That Podcast Host, and starting later this month, 18 and up content. Pokey College, coming your way. We hope you're ready for it. First episode's going to be fun. And the next few episodes, I'm actually really excited. So that said, you know, again, more the same. You know, these episodes are still Pokey Science. Uh, you can still find them by searching Pokey Science, and it's the same format, same type. But this is going to allow us to branch off and possibly bring you content not related to Pokemon and content you've not expected yet. So I'm very excited. We've been working on this, I think, since uh, December when the, this whole plan got set in motion. And I'm excited. I think you guys are going to like it. And I'm very thankful for this team. Everyone here has done a great job, and I cannot wait to introduce you to a few new faces as well. That said, I'm excited. Brittany, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics today. Legitimately, one of my absolute favorite topics, because eight-year-old me made my mom read to me the Odyssey, uh, the Iliad, right? I was a huge Greek mythology fanatic when I was a kid. I was actually a big Norse mythology girl when I was a child. Ooh, what a twist. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I've never heard a kid say that before. No, I love Norse mythology. I think it's so cool. No, I was just like on a big like, you know what? It wasn't even Loki's fault. Odin shouldn't have seen the future wrong. And it's Odin's fault. I will die on that soapbox. Hashtag horse Loki. (laughs) Love it. So anyways, we're going to jump in here today. And we're actually going to be talking uh, all about Greek mythology. So for today, for this reference, we are discussing what was a belief system on religion in ancient Greece. Uh, And these, the mythos, or myth meaning story, are these stories or explanations within that culture. 
And so we're going to be talking about a culture that is no longer around. And so I'm actually, I'm really excited because I, I just, I don't know, I adore this. You know me, like I, I, I love any type we're going to talk about culture and mythologies. So I'm going to pass this over to Brittany because some of our friends here might not know what Greek mythology is or the Greek pantheon. So what are we talking about today? All right. Today we are going to be delving into the Greek pantheon. So the whole world of the Greek gods and goddesses. So in regards to Greek mythos, it is often one of the 12 titan gods, Zeus, Poseidon, Hera, Hestia, Demeter, Hades, Apollo, Artemis, Hermes, Athena. I always screw this one up. Hephaestus. 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 Aphrodite and Ares. So it's these 12 that are normally seen in kind of popular culture if you're going to see a story related to the Greek Pantheon. But today we are going to be exploring outside of these figureheads and talk about the story of Heracles. And he was a son of Zeus. Wait, I know this story. Disney made a movie. Kind of. Sort of. Not remotely, not remotely accurate. <laughs> was actually the Roman pronunciation, not the Greek pronunciation. It's Heracles. As the Greek demigod. Where have I heard that name before? I don't know. Maybe we owe him money. <laughs> and then before we get too much, too deep into uh, discussing this, I think it's important to note beforehand that there are different tellings of these stories between the writers of the time. So there are different poets who have slightly different versions of it. And we ask you to keep this in mind since some of the things that we'll be covering today may be different from what you may have read or heard. And many of these versions are still quote unquote canon stories. Well, and I, I think of it, uh, the way I think of it, too, is that even like within, you know, religions, we have those, we have the different Different sects. kind of sects, yeah. Yeah. The same I religion. So. I mean, because again, this was, this was a religion. Like this yes. is, you know, temples, there's churches, like there's all these parts that go into it, the like stories, the cultures, the rituals, the uh, customs, the, you know, the art, everything that we would expect to go into, you know, it's there. Uh, but obviously, there's different tellings and different ways to tell it. Thanks, Ray. Of course. Ray's the real MVP here. That uh, classical minor of mine coming in, <laughs> coming into play. Well, you do that, and I'll keep up the Disney jokes. Sounds good. Rock to Britney. Stop it. All right. Although married to the goddess Hera, Zeus did have several children outside <laughs> of this marriage. That's the nicest way that I can put it. World's worst husband, right? Yes. 10 out of 10 worst. I mean, like, we're talking like anything. Swans, ants. He's like, oh, yeah. I feel like the highest number that I read said that he might have had up to 97 children out. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was a busy man and Hera was not pleased. Okay, so Heracles was one of these children that he had outside of his marriage with Hera. He was actually named after the goddess. Heracles, meaning gift of the goddess Hera. So, What an insult to his wife, though. I know. <laughs> but to be fair... Heracles' mother didn't even know Zeus shapeshifted to look like her husband. Well, it, her husband was away at battle. So so anyway, this made Hera terribly jealous. Like you were saying, kind of a slap in the face to name the child after her. And she chose to act out her revenge on a child. She probably could have went for her husband, but she chose the child. And she sent two serpents to kill him in his cradle, but she only proved to show how formidable his power already was. Wait, Disney did this. I thought Hades sent the snakes. Well, because it was Disney and they probably couldn't put, you know, the fact that there was some extramarital relations. 
happening. Yeah, but it only showed to, you know, serve how powerful I already was because he ended up strangling the pair of serpents and survived. And Hera's anger did not end there. So uh, she attempted uh, revenge many times after Heracles' infancy. So after he was married, uh, the biggest thing that happened that kind of leads into the topic that we'll be talking about today is that Hera inflicted madness upon Heracles, which made him end up killing his wife and his children. She sounds more destructive than Fox News. Yeah, because I mean, she got was trying to get back at him several many times throughout this story. She didn't end there, and uh, several other lives were put to an end because of the the goddess Hera. Now that we have a little bit more of a background information on our titular character, um, we're going to be exploring the story of Heracles and his 12 labors. So after realizing what he had done to his family, he went to the god of the sun and prophecy, Apollo, and asked what he should do. Like, how do I fix this? Heracles is a demi- demigod being half mortal, half human, or half human, half, you know, god. And he wants to know how to fix this so that he can eventually get into, you know, Mount Olympus. So Apollo tasked him with serving the king Eurystheus. So in this story that we'll be talking about, Hera's meddling did not stop at this point. She went to Eurystheus and suggested he task Heracles with 12 impossible labors. She had hoped that he would perish during these tasks, since they are quite impossible for any other person that's not a demigod, and would die prior to his redemption, removing him from this world and not allowing him entrance to Mount Olympus. And this is like one of those times where it's like, oh, there's a lot of different stories. So it seems that there were maybe 10 impossible tasks to start with, but the king Eurystheus kind of was like, oh, you completed the 10. I'm going to actually, this one and this one don't count. We're adding two more. So (laughs) 10 to 12, you know, impossible labors. We call that moving the goalpost. Yes, that's the (laughs) phrase I was looking for. There you go. It it is 100% moving the goalpost. So Eurystheus, he didn't seem like the greatest guy either. Hera chose well. I feel like that king was probably definitely worshiping her. They were a formidable duo. I mean, wouldn't you worship Hera? No, she's mean. Okay, sorry. I honestly forgot what Hera is like the goddess of. Uh, Like home and hearth, right? Yeah. Nah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's not doing a very good job. She's destroying a couple home units here, though. <laughs> I mean, she's, yeah, protecting, she's protecting her own, right? Yeah. Seems like an I... exploitation of what she's supposed to be protecting and helping yeah. with. <laughs> like, technically, I'm, you know, protecting my own home, but I'm destroying everyone else's. Okay, so we all have our bad years every once in a while. So bad century sometimes. <laughs> so 12 labors, not births, tasks, 12 tasks that our man Heracles was set out to complete. First was to slay the Nemean lion, which he did. Cool. No and problem. And this scene shows up in the Disney movie too. A lot of these do. Yeah. Like they're in the montage, right? Yeah. I yeah, the one where they're like, bless my soul, hookers on a roll. Person <laughs> Ray knew it too. Ray was on it. I don't want to get the uh, the podcast taken down for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Are we allowed like three seconds or something? Yeah, something like that. I think it's three, yeah. Second was to slay the Lernaean Hydra, which is one of those little tasky tasks that Eurystheus was said to say didn't count because he took his nephew with him for backup. But mind you, in most these tasks one of the gods or goddesses helped him out in some way shape or form so i don't know how it's like the nephew though he's not allowed to help so third was to capture the golden hind which is a deer 
if you don't speak ancient Greek. Yeah, I had to look up what hind was again. <laughs> <laughs> Little deer with some golden horns. Then some of the other three labors include capture their Ermanthian boar, clean the stables of King Augeus, defeat the Stymphalian birds. The second labor that was striked was actually cleaning the stables because um, he accepted payment for it. So King Eurytheus was like, no, that one doesn't count either. So this is the first unpaid internship. Yes. (laughs) So uh, next three labors included capturing the Cretan bull, bringing back the mares of Diomedes, and obtaining the belt of Hippolyta. And the last three include obtain the cattle of Gurion, bring the golden apples of Hesperides, and last but not least, capture Kerberos, or what some pronounce as Cerberus. I feel like that would be the worst one, though. I mean, that's why it's the last one, right? I know, but like, I wouldn't want to mess with Hades. Like, I mean, like, I feel like that one and the Hydra are pretty terrifying. Yeah, that's why I needed backup for the Hydra. So can I ask a few questions to both of you? Yeah, go for it. Just to clarify, mm-hmm. so these tasks, what makes what made them? Because I know we're going to talk about Pokemon here in a second, but like, what made them so impossible? Like, I know we're going to talk about the Hydra and the Bull, and I know we're going to talk about Kerberos, uh, Cerberus, but like, what made the other ones impossible? Like cleaning cleaning a horse stall. So the horse stall one is actually. What I get from that one is that like the first four tasks were all like tasks of pretty brute strength. In this stable had like a thousand cattle in it. Definitely, you know, wasn't going to be able to get this clean without like one half clean before the other half was dirtied again. But this one was like kind of like the first time Heracles had to show his intelligence. Like that one was like being a mom. We have yes. multiple. We have multiple kids. And you're like I cleaned one room, but the other room is now a disaster. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. That I can understand. Okay. <laughs> that I get. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> um. You know, some of the other ones, like the Hydro, even though we're going to talk about it later, one of its heads was, you know, supposed to be immortal, so shouldn't have been able to, you know, complete that task. The Golden the golden Hind was, like, sacred to Artemis, so he had to capture it. He couldn't kill it. He had to actually hunt, track down this deer for over a year before he was able to shoot it without harming it in, like, a non-fatal way you know moving the cattle of garyon it was more of the time that period that they were in and the distance between places it was more of it took like a year to actually bring the cattle back like it was you know obviously not throw all these cattle on a train or in a truck and easily move it no one really knew where the golden apples of hesperides were so that in itself was a whole kind of situation and i mean living people aren't supposed to be able to get into the underworld so capturing cerberus was kind of supposed to be impossible i feel like there is a way to get into the underworld it's just it's just a one-way ticket though yeah that's what i'm no that's why i said a living person (laughs) you can't get back out so it was just like (laughs) even though there were like things that like didn't seem like huge deals it was just like small things that made them extremely challenging what else what else other things do you want to know i mean maybe, i think that's it like i just wanted to convey like how like yeah hard these were because i know we're to talk about some of them but i mean a lot of these tasks like i said heracles got 
you know, help and assistance from other gods and goddesses throughout the time period. And we also have to remember that Hera was still throwing in, you know, little things to make his tasks even more difficult than they needed to be. She sounds like she was really angry at her, her husband. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, maybe you should have brought the wrong this place. up with your husband, but I don't know. I don't know. think you could really bring things up with Zeus. I yeah, like, does he even listen? If you do? I don't think he would. I think he'd just be like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I'm really angry at you, honey. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, I'm going to figure this out some other way. She needed a hobby. I think she needed a hobby. It was Heracles. <laughs> that was her hobby. I know, but like life. maybe a, a <laughs> maybe different hobby. Knitting. Like, knitting. That's I was literally about to say knitting. <laughs> maybe knitting, you know, puzzles <laughs> would have been good. Painting, maybe. <laughs> puzzles. I love that. But yeah, her hobby was destroying Heracles' life. But Zeus had like 90 other children she could have picked. Like, why was she so set on ruining this one man's existence? Maybe maybe it's because Zeus named this one after her. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it is. You're right. <laughs> She's like, how dare you? We will we will not be having this. She's like, <laughs> you will not be on Mount Olympus with me with the same name. So, like, can I ask you, Ray, like, what is your background knowledge with all this, too? Like, like, what are your thoughts on the labors? Um, labors in general, they're they're an interesting Greek and Roman mythology that are brought into popular culture a lot is basically my quick idea of it. So I do have I took uh, years of Latin courses, uh, so I'm pretty familiar with like the more Roman side of things, but have had influence from the Greek side as well. Is it is it very different in the Roman side? Not too different. There are some like discrepancies where they don't overlap completely because the idea was like the Romans like took some of some of these ideas and fused them together to have like one big idea and understanding of so, it. So, like, what were some of the differences? I mean, you see it mostly with like the names and stuff. So, like the different names of the gods. So Heracles, Hercules. But like the labors themselves are the same? I'd have to double check. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I they may be more Greek influenced than Roman influenced. And so they may have they may have started in Greece and then got brought in by the Romans. I feel like when I was was um researching the labors, though sometimes Hercules his stuff came up over Heracles's and they did I don't really remember there being too much discrepancy. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was just curious. I'm sorry. I think it would have to be like an hour long like discussion and like reflection on it because like I actually don't remember because I've started fusing them all together in my head as well. Yeah, but I don't really remember there being too much. The base of the tasks were the same. I don't know if like the story of how he completed the tasks might be a little bit different, but I believe that the the tasks themselves were. Thank you. So you want to talk about some Pokemon? It's what we're here for. Duh. Do, 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 do. Sorry, that's usually a little transition song when somebody says that. <laughs> I'm not here for anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about is uh, Hydragon. Uh, everyone loves Hydragon. Ray, you like Hydragon? Is that how you say its name? I, yeah, I don't Hydragon. think I've ever said it out loud in my head. I have one on my uh, Scarlet team. Hi, like Hydra. Dry, like uh, German for three. Three. Yeah, and then dr- yeah. Gr- uh, Dragon, like Dragon. Dragon. Hi, Dragon. Uh, actually, yeah. So that one I do know. It's one of the few Pokemon whose names I actually do know how to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I love High Dragon. I actually kind of wish I had a High Dragon plush. I think they're really cute. I think they kind of look scary. <laughs> really? Yeah, more of the like, yes! Britney side of it. I'm like, yeah, a <laughs> oh, creepy. I think they're adorable. I think they look terrifying. Like if that came at me, I'd be like, 
I would probably just do like the the freeze of the fight fight flight or freeze. I'd just be like, oh, maybe if I lay down, it'll think I'm. Dead. I imagine the the arms as almost like feet looking like sock puppets. <laughs> hey, I got sock puppets. Like like he's got like little sock puppet hands, and he's like sock puppets, which makes it even more terrifying in my brain for some reason. <laughs> Like that it has these like boneless legs that are just like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why my brain does and these so things to me. Brittany is terrified of the Muppets. You heard it here. <laughs> uh, High Dragon has a couple influences. Obviously, we talk about this a lot in the show that things often have more than one influence. And it's not necessarily the, uh, as Raven brought up too, you know, there's not always one telling or one way to interpret it. And there's more than one interpretation. Um, High Dragon, though, I feel like very clearly has two links obviously the first being hydra and we'll talk about that in a second uh the other one being uh yamato no orochi so uh for anyone who doesn't know uh, those are from greek and japanese mythology respectively obviously we're going to talk about hydra where that name comes from clearly it comes from there and uh so specifically this is the uh lernaean hydra or the hydra of, yeah. of lerna yeah, yeah. So for anyone, and I know we've talked about uh, Yamada no Orochi a little bit before in the show, uh, but they're similar, right? They're both serpent-like. Uh, they both have associations with being semi-aquatic, where uh, the Hydra of, of Lerna lived, you know, with within that lake of Lerna. And Yamada no Orochi living in also the bottom of a lake. Uh, but their stories themselves are quite different. You know, Yamada no Orochi being... So the Hydra was venomous and... It had, you know, multiple heads, nine heads to be exact. And one of these nine heads was, you know, said to be immortal. So not only is this nine-headed beast venomous, but one of the heads is immortal. And it was also said that the uh, heads were able to regenerate. Like the Disney movie. So, yes. So it also, like, that is another thing that kind of gave me like an idea that you know the Lernaean hydra and you know hydragon could be related to each other because you know obviously it's a dragon type pokemon what's a dragon a reptile and what have we learned from chelsea chelsea's getting a lot of shout outs this episode <laughs> reptiles uh, are know, birds <laughs> well reptiles are birds but also you know there are a lot of you know lizards and reptiles that can regenerate parts of their bodies yeah and I think some of the tellings are a little bit more than just regeneration, where I think after they one of the... right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So that how it happens in the Disney movie too, right, Ray? Like, it ends up with like 90 heads. <laughs> yep. I think in the Disney movie, they have to crush it with a rock or something, and that's how they defeat it. Or that's not how the... it dies here, though, right? Correct. I think in the reading that I did, they actually had help, or Hercules had some help from one of his relatives in the matter. It was the nephew. Yep. And then... Once they actually cut off one of the heads, um, the nephew would cauterize it. So that's how actually how you would stop something from regenerating in real life is to like cauterize it. So burn it. And so the tissue can grow back. And so that's how the version I read. And then as um, Brittany already mentioned, one of the heads was immortal. And so the way that Hercules got rid of that was he cut off the head and then buried the head. So the Hydra is technically still alive, but now it's just buried alive. Hey, Ray. Do you think Luke Skywalker would grow back his hand if it wasn't cauterized? That's that's an interesting thing I think about with uh, Star Wars all the time. Is like there's a lot of limb severing, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they just have Could to have... treat it for the severe burns now, as opposed to uh, <laughs> worry about blood loss or anything, or I guess trauma as well. <laughs> they go into shock every time. 
Terrifying. <laughs> I, I imagine they will go. <laughs> they probably would go into major shock with that. <laughs> Brittany's like, now we're talking yeah. my thing. I like, yeah. <laughs> and so that's like um, going back to the um, immortal head part. I think that's an interesting connection between Hydreigon is that out of the three heads, one head is, I believe, is supposed to house the brain, and the other two are kind of just like puppets Sock or puppets. like sock puppets and so that's an interesting connection <laughs> i told you i didn't like it <laughs> that, i think oh, it makes it super even creepy worse. yeah so uh you it's so creepy you have this connection now of like one head is like the superior head out of the three <sighs> out of the rest of them and i think that's probably where <laughs> that is puppets. even more terrifying <laughs> it's even it gets worse i didn't think it was gonna get worse but it gets worse so ray uh her uh heracles right he he takes a, the a Hydra's blood and it's like poisonous, right? Yes, I think that's. Uh, I don't remember the specifics about that. And like he oh. covers his arrows in it, right? And that's how he cheats the other the, the other tasks. I th- yeah, I think he uses it later on too. I also think isn't well he does with the centaurs. Oh okay. Oh, I also forgot to mention uh, the Hydra. Also, in one storytelling, the Hydra also had an assistant. I think Hera sent a crab to help yes, the Hydra, which a I giant thought was crab. cute and adorable. So. Why are Why? we talking about our Pokemon giant crap on this I know. episode? I know. That's I, I thought about it, but I'm like, I don't know if there's a strong enough connection yet. It <laughs> probably soon. <laughs> there needs to be like a Hydreigon and crab Pokemon. <gasps> can someone make that symbiotic com- relationship? Just like a crab. If like, someone can make that competitive team, we little- will love you forever and give you a shout out on the show. Uh, what's the crab? Cloth? If you can make a cloth Hydreigon team, we're going to give you a shout out. Send us it. Oh, come on. You guys want to see a cloth team? Yeah, it would be kind of. But like, but then there'd be four head shearing, two brains, and I'd... it's slightly better, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah. <clears throat> Hydra, regrowing heads. Hydragon can't, though, which is kind of unfortunate for him. So let's talk about the next one. Uh, so the next one we're going to talk about is, uh, so it's the the Cretan bull, right? Cretan? Cretan? Cretan. Uh, and we're talking it's connecting it to Tauros. Now, I do want to point out the original Japanese name for Tauros is uh, Kentarosuich, uh, which actually ties into the Greek, uh, I can't pronounce ancient Greek uh, or, or actual modern Greek even, uh, Kentaros, essentially the word for centaur. But I know that's not a connection that we're trying to make here. But I know you had a different connection. What was your connection? Oh, so like we were talking about earlier, there's always several, many different stories for how things got the way they are or for different stories. So when you look up the origin story of the constellation of Taurus, which would be, you know, named after our buddy Tauros. So there was a Greek mythographer, which I'm also going to script this name because Greek. So we need a Greek teacher. Can someone come teach us how to pronounce Greek? Oculus? Is it a hard C? Ray, any thoughts? It's usually a, like a K sound. I think with Greek. Yeah, so I was right. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Akusilus. Akusilus? Um, named the constellation of Taurus and the Cretan bull as one and the same. So the Cretan bull actually has a kind of long history. Like the Cretan bull was not killed by Heracles and it, you know, goes on to a different place and is just renamed for different places and continues on its kind of rampage throughout ancient Greece for some time. 
Well, and we can't talk too much about the full story because it gets into some very adult specific content. Yeah, that's, I know. That's why I was like, it, I just like, it was like, it we'll just, just say you know. that this uh, particular bull had a relationship with someone that the king did was not happy about this relationship. So he sent it away. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But when eventually it was killed, it was said to be placed up in the stars. So, well, and I, I think that definitely the name part fits. And I especially think, uh, as we talked to Paldean, is that how we say that, Ray? I, that's how I've been saying it. Okay, so Paldean. Paldean Taurus is a fighting type, right? I think that that Chirian. fits this too, like this whole story of it being like combative. Because, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. after the bull was yeah. removed from the love of his life, <laughs> he, he kind of went on a rampage. Cerberus, our final, you know, labor. Um, Houndoom, so the basis from Hellhounds, which is a group of mythological hounds, this span a large range of cultures and mythos, which does include our main man, Cerberus. So they're often depicted as servants of hell, the devil, or the underworld, and regularly seen to guard the underworld or gates of the underworld. So this ties into Cerberus, who famously guarded the gates of the underworld. So many hellhounds are always seen as black and associated with flames, which both tie in wonderfully with our houndoom, being a dark and fire type Pokemon. So obvious connection there. Diamond and Pearl's dex entries state that people thought its howls were the call of the Grim Reaper. So obviously... Cerberus might not sound like the Grim Reaper, but he is guarding the gates of the underworld. You're probably hearing some Grim Reaper-esque sounds surrounding him. I do want to clarify, too. Uh, like, they're, they're, I know Disney depict, depicted him as the devil or a devil, you know, like really this like nasty creature. And I know like I just saw Hades Town, and it was not much better depiction of Hades. But like realistically, like this is Zeus's brother. Like him, Zeus and Poseidon are kind of like similar people. Except except yeah. Hades is kind of like the goth brother who is like, I'm an introvert. I think that's exactly it, right? Like Poseidon and Zeus are like really the outgoing two. And he, yeah, they're like the jock brothers that are like, hey, we're great at football. We're popular. And Hades is like, I'm writing poetry. I'm writing like, poetry in my closet. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to bring that up because I know those of us who probably are aware of, you know, like the Western belief systems view him in similar ways that like, let's say like Christianity may see like Satan, but like, it's not similar. Hades is just like, hey, this is my brother who I tricked into getting the underworld because I wanted the earth and my other brother wanted, you know, the water. And we're like, hey, you get stuck with everything down below. I mean, that's what they did, right? Like It was like two big two big yeah. brothers like tricking him. They're like, hey, we got this really cool thing over here. Do you want it? And he's like, sure. And they're like, no, no, it's really great. Like, you can't have it. I don't. We don't know if you can handle it. And he's like, oh, wait, no, no, I do want it. Brittany's like, yeah, as the older sibling, this sounds about right. Yeah, you definitely can't. <laughs> can't put these things away. You're not strong enough. <laughs> you can't. You, no, 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 no. You can't eat my Brussels sprouts for me. They're too good. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like. But that's what they did to him. And like Hades isn't, isn't necessarily like this monster. I mean, unless we're talking about Persephone and then that's debatable. Never. But I mean, compared to Zeus, he's more of a saint. <laughs> Absolutely. He didn't have 97 children. <laughs> out, wasn't tricking people. But except like, for, except into, for Persephone. Well, yeah. And Orpheus. Okay, not okay, as so many so the whole people. family's messed up. The toxic, toxic cycles. Yep. Yeah. But I just. They have not got out of that cycle yet. The whole point that I want to make, though, is that 
the depiction of him as being like monstrous is not accurate and doesn't necessarily reflect it. Like he's the younger brother who got tricked by his two big brothers to take the worst land. And that's it. He's just like, okay, well, this is my job. I guess I'm kind of stuck with it. And he's lonely. It's like how Scar got the elephant graveyard. <laughs> there it is. That's it. It's the Mufasa connection. <laughs> <laughs> elephant graveyard. But yeah, like I just, I want to make that clear. Like this it, in ancient Greek, uh, in this belief system, like the underworld's not necessarily seen as like, you know, it's not, it's not hell. I want to be clear. It's not hell. It's where souls go when they die. But I also want to clarify, like hellhounds aren't necessarily, you know, that same phenomena. Like, especially like in Celtic origins, like hellhounds can be kind of, you know, wicked. Is that the right word? Or symbolizing wicked or evilness. But Cerberus probably doesn't. I think a Cerberus more like I think Fluffy and Harry Potter. Yeah, me too. I don't think Cerberus was, he's just like, yo, you can't come in here. Because you're alive and you're going to die if you go in there. So you should- <laughs> what do you think, Ray? Cerberus is like trying to protect people. He's like, hey, don't come in here. It's interesting. The Hades video game uh, portrays Cerberus as being quite nice and quite kind, even though it's supposed to be guarding like the entrance to, to the <laughs> underworld. That's what I'm saying. I think he's just like telling people like, yo, you can't come in because then you can't come back out. And I don't think you want that yet. Maybe he's like my husky puppy. He's just like, I'm just barking at you because you're here. I don't really know why I'm barking. Yeah. And even just talking about tying it back into death and thinking about death. um, That's one of the themes that you see in the 12 labors of Hercules is him overcoming death. And this last goal of grabbing Cerberus and bringing him back up is one of these instances of, of, of him overcoming ultimate death within this telling of the story. And I will also give a quick note where, because there was kind of talking about hell and doom and like devils and death and things like that in the Grim Reaper and like Greek, Greek mythology has actually an entity known as death, Thanatos. And so like, there's like another connection here and Thanatos actually plays, I think a little bit of a role within the 12 labors. Yes. And so, yeah, that's something to think about. And then even you can see how, Hound Doom is kind of seen through this Western view of how Greek mythology or the underworld or what they're seeing as hell comes into a play of it, especially when you think of um, like just even the name Hound Doom, Doom meaning the end and end meaning death. So there's these very subtle connections between uh, Hound Doom yeah. and Cerberus. Well, even Hound Door as well, because like the door ending is like means like grim, I believe. Oh, is Okay. So like both of them kind of have that negative kind of connotation with their Well, names. and I definitely think that goes into Western cultures, especially like because that's something that we talk about in our home. And for anyone who doesn't know, we put my cat down last weekend, which is why the uh, I messed up uploading the episodes. <laughs> Exhausting weekend. But that's something that we talked about with my girls is that like, you know, hey, for every not every culture sees death as like this negative thing. Like, let's celebrate the life of this pet we had. Instead of treating it like this great loss or this great injustice, let's celebrate it. We actually always, in my dad's side of the family, we always had celebrations of life. We never had yeah funerals for anyone. So we kind of had like just big parties, which is weird, I guess. But but I definitely want to thank Ray for bringing that up. And I because I do think that we get stuck in those mindsets of viewing death that way. So last one we're going to talk about is uh, Heracross, obviously relating to the you know Hera Cleese, right? Like Brittany's been saying the entire time. And actually, like there's a lot of thought that that's where the name kind of ties into because it actually shows relations to two different beetles. Um, those two beetles are actually the rhinoceros beetle, um, the uh, Hercules beetle. And the thing that, and we've talked about this on the show before, uh, the thing that is really interesting about these beetles is that they're both used in uh, insect or bug or beetle fighting. 
uh, specifically in Japan. Because so insect fighting, just really quick, uh, and bug fighting is something that you find all over, uh, you know, Asian cultures, and they vary from culture to culture. So like, for instance, Chinese has cricket fighting, uh, there's all sorts of different things. And what specific insect is fought depends on where you're at. I do know there are things like spider fighting, uh, and those have very different rules. But we're going to talk about beetle fighting here specifically. So beetle fighting is essentially two beetles are put on a log, and the one who pushes the other off is the winner. Essentially, it's it's king of the hill, king of the mountain, right? King of the mountain? Is that what that's called? King of the mountain or king of the hill. Okay, I don't know. I didn't play those games growing up. Uh, I played pretend with all of my little girlfriends, so I actually don't know. Didn't play those games at recess, so... <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's it, right? Like, and in some cultures, though, like the insects or bugs are made to actually kill each other. And I think of the great example, you've seen the film Enter the Dragon, Ray? I have not. Actually. You've never seen the Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon? Mm-mm. Uh, but like, this is a quintessential Bruce Lee. And one of the earlier scenes in the movie when he's getting on a boat is there's actually uh, mantis fighting. With the mantis fighting, they actually fight to the death. <laughs> so it's it's very interesting to me that, you know, there's that connection there. Uh, and, you know, Heracross having the fighting type as well. Uh, that said, I do note, note this really quick. Uh, Japan is incredibly cautious about invasive species, as it should be, being an island nation. Like, you want to be really careful. And the love for these beetle fightings has actually led to, like, underground markets where beetles are smuggled into the country and they're worth a lot of money. So maybe we should ask uh, maybe we should ask Anaru to do an episode about that, <laughs> beetle smuggling. I'm just imagining paying, like, thousands of dollars for a beetle. Because, <laughs> like, that's so cool, interesting to me that, like, people are smuggling beetles. Yeah, no, that is, like, it is really interesting. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just imagining these people spending thousands of dollars on beetles. Yeah. Well, and so I do want to tie in, because obviously Heracross has connections to the rhinoceros beetle, but the mega form is very clearly a Hercules beetle. And they're different, right? You can tell with, uh, what do you call that part of the head? Do you know, Ray? Like, the horn? I'd have to Google it. Okay. Well, the horn. We're gonna, I'm going to call it the horn, because I'm not a biologist. Uh, but that's you know it, it's different so rhinoceros beetle has like that that has like a single horn uh but the hercules beetle has that dual horns just like mega hair across uh-huh and the um hercules beetle is said to have tremendous strength that's why people smuggle them in for beetle fighting <laughs> mm-hmm. which obviously you know like heracles and hercules as in the roman version all of their you know all of their you know, labor show the extreme strength that Heracles would have, just like this Hercules beetle used for fighting in Japan. Uh, okay, so Ray, do you have comments you wanted to add? I know you have thoughts here. It just uh, it makes me think about how the origins of Pokemon, so the first few um, games of the franchise came about and how how they're all tying this in together and just thinking about the cleverness of it. And so when Brittany talked about like, and Brittany and Madison talking about Beatles fighting and like, this is a situation where you're having two of your two creatures fighting each other in this setting and just thinking about how clever that is. But I'm just reflecting on that and some of the other things that we see within the first. So you talked about Tauros and its name originating, originating from that. And then, I don't know. I just think some of the writers from Pokemon are very clever and they know what they're doing. Well, those are the localizations too, though, right? It's true. So it's, I don't know. It's, but did they have that in mind when they did this localization? So, and if that's the case. Sorry, Ray, I cut you off. Please. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm so ADD tonight. 
I guess we've said all we needed to say about Heracross at the moment. Well, I, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add about it, though? Uh, not that I can think of. I think we already, I wanted to talk about the name, but we already covered that, too. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely a big part of it. Ray, do you like Heracross? Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that I like Heracross. I do not want the fans to think that uh, I'm heavily biased towards a certain uh, Pokemon. You mean Pukumuku? I love all the Pokemon. I do love Pukumuku. Lila I, I do has Heracross and like, loves it and like, sleeps with it all the time. It's just like hard to, it's just like one color and it's, it's a beetle. <laughs> and so, I don't know. That's like my critique of like a lot of the original one, 150-ish Pokemon is like, they're pretty simple. Wait, but, you mean the one that's literally just a person? <laughs> Mr. Mime. <laughs> creepy, a creepy mime. He, he, he's literally just a, yeah. Hey, right, Brittany, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I agreed that it, it Heracross does seem mildly forgettable because I was doing this episode, like researching this episode on Heracles, and I literally didn't even remember that Heracross existed <laughs> to, to put the names together until Ray mentioned it. Oh, I love Heracross. I mean, like, I don't know. To be fair, I personally, like, when I do playthroughs, I almost never use Pokemon that don't evolve because I get bored. So I've never used one. Uh, I think they're cute. Anyways, uh, do we have any closing thoughts, the, the two of you, about uh, the labors of Hercules? Besides that he could have used, um, oh my god, I was going to make a pregnancy joke now and I couldn't even think of it. An epidural? He could have used an epidural. <laughs> Is that what you were going to say? I don't know. Hercules could have used an epidural for these labors. No, because your legs don't work when you get an epidural, so that would have made his labors quite impossible. <laughs> but he would have been happy doing them. That is fair. <laughs> Ray, do you have any closing thoughts? Yeah, I think in looking at the 12 labors, I feel like it's something almost we could come back again to like a couple of years from now and do some more deep dives and more subtle connections between the different Pokemon that exist. Because even just reading through it, I noticed some some themes and they're not as strong as some of the ones yeah. that we've talked about, but they definitely could be at least hypothesized as being related or having influence. Yeah, like our own like thoughts on mm -hmm. the subject instead of, you know. Yeah, more of like a. For sure, this is what they are. Because, yeah, I've noticed, I did notice a lot more of that. Like, I'm like, this could be this. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And I feel like there's a lot of space for the future um, video games to also have it as well or to like incorporate some of these more, um, these other labors that are touched upon. And just Greek and Roman mythology in general, I think there's a lot that we can talk about and touch on. Yeah, I I think that's great. Because, uh, yeah, this was only one story, like small story within the entirety of the Greek mythos. So definitely a lot more to be touched on. Well, and I think uh, I, I think there's so much for us to talk about with with mythos and cultures and, and stories that <clears throat> I mean, we could make an entire podcast just on that. And that's where we're happy to announce that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, if, if any one of you guys on cast wants to make mini series on it, I would love it. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. So with that said, again, nothing's changing here. Obviously, things are just titled Pika Science. Same show. This is still called Pokey Science this episode. Other episodes are called different things. That way you can tell them apart. 
It also is a great uh, reference for those of you when you're like, hey, let us lessons. I know this is family friendly. Pokey College, my six-year-old maybe shouldn't listen to that. And it's a way for it to differentiate and also give you an idea of what you're going to be listening to in each episode. So I'm really excited. We're going to have different uh, thumbnails for each individual episode type and stuff. I'm excited to show you everything we're bringing. And I think you're going to like it all. I really do. And I just want to say thank you to everyone. And if you could be so nice to us and five-star reviews on iTunes are super, super helpful. And we appreciate them. We love you. Thanks, guys. Goodbye. some point when you talk about i forgot that uh you Hercules say, had you like a gay lover <laughs> and that's how we're ending this episode right there <laughs> did heracles really have a a, a a male lover yeah he's i forget his name he got like hypnotized by a bunch of water nymphs or something and that's why heracles went away from the what's it called the the guy where he got on a ship and did a bunch of things his... Uh, the uh, um, uh, Odyssey, yes. Yeah, I Odyssey. think he was involved in. I'll have to look up the guy's name, but I like vividly, or when I was looking through my book on this, uh, on the subjects of the 12 labors, I like came across that picture. I'm like, why does this like stick out in my mind as being so familiar? And I read it. I'm like, oh yeah, his like lover, Hylas. As you know, <laughs> gr- ancient Greece was much more uh, accepting. <laughs> Hylas is a character in Greek mythology. He was the son of King blah, 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 blah. When Heracles killed the king in battle, he took Hylas under his wing. The young man became Hercules' gay lover. There you go. Kill a king, get a cute lover. Oh, my God. Uh, I feel like, you know how in like the end of TV shows or like radio recordings or something, they'll have like a little like um, candid section put in no, there. That's and this. Not, that's this. Yeah, this is like the little candid section is talking <laughs> about like Hercules' gay lover, like the, the post show. Uh, <laughs> I have, yeah if only if it was in the the um pokey college ones <laughs>